Good morning. So thankful you're here. Thanks for joining us online as well. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 26 if you have a Bible or a device. I'd love for you to join me there. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that uh, we so often hear at a different time of the year, but we're going to look at it maybe in a different context today than normal. Now, I often pray for the church, and I often pray for the health of the church. But the health of the church is not just going to come from here. But I need to be healthy. And it's not just going to come from you, but you need to be healthy. Because when you're healthy, when I'm healthy, then if you're married, marriages will be healthier. Then families will be healthier and workplaces will be healthier, neighborhoods, communities, schools, and so on and so forth. So often what we do, though, is we look outside of ourselves for health. We look and just say, if my spouse was, well, if they got some things in order, then I'd be healthy. Or if my kids weren't doing this, then I'd be healthy. Or in my job or whatever it is, we look outside of ourselves instead of looking within and allowing God to do a work, a transforming work in us and through us. But health and well-being has been at the forefront of our mind in conversations this last year. Everything on the news and so many of the conversations you have and even how you're here today or you're at home has been impacted or at least considered upon due to health and well-being. But health is about habits. Health is about good habits. Health is about bad habits. And the combination that we live in a tension or a contrast of the two warring against each other all the time. But health is not just physical. Health is not just mental. Health is not just relational. Health is not just uh, social. Whatever it may be, it is a combination of all working together. And health is about process. And health is about growth. You may be longing for health and this wholeness and fullness, and you just want to jump there right now. I do as well. But the reality is, is that you have to take a step, just like I do, and a step, and a step, and a step. And so in this series, hopefully this is going to provide some steps, some opportunities, some tools, some processing, some praying, some different ways that we can move as individuals and as a church together towards health. Now, Scripture has much to say about our health. Scripture has a ton to say about our well-being. But I think of a passage that described Jesus. And I want you to think of this in the lens of health. And this passage from Luke 2, verse 52 says this, And Jesus grew. It's a growth process, right? Health is. Grew in wisdom. I want you to think mental health. I want you to think intellectual health. And in stature, think physical health. And in favor with God, think spiritual health. In favor with man, think of relational or social health. And so Jesus grew in all of these different areas, and we are as well. We often take health for granted. We may take one of these areas for granted, but it's when we start to lose it or, or one area physically, we, we become sick. We take it for granted, but then we realize the importance of it. And so today I want to start with a comment that maybe you've not heard from a church. Maybe you've not heard from a pastor standing in front of you. And it's something that I want you to wrestle with. And maybe this is the only thing that you need to hear today. Maybe there's nothing else that you need to hear today. And this is what I want to start our series with as a foundation that we're going to build on, is that it is okay not to be okay. We work so hard to be okay, and so often we just deny the fact that we're not okay. 
And so I want to start from this foundation. Is that that nervousness that you're feeling right now? That's okay. That pain that you're feeling right now? That's okay. That unknown reality before you that you're just tied up with right now is that you're, it's okay. That grief that you're feeling right now, it's okay. That loneliness that you're feeling right now, it's okay. And what I mean by it's okay is that not that we just settle and we get there and we're unhealthy in that, but it's a starting point. It's a place that we begin at and we launch from. It's okay not to be okay. Because to be human is to feel. And as human beings, we feel. And instead of just suppressing feelings, pushing them aside, ignoring them, which we're going to talk about here in a few moments, what if we use them as gauges? That when nervousness comes up within us, we look at this this temperature gauge and go like, okay, what's going on with this nervousness or with this grief? What is this that's really happening inside of me? There's a pastor from Portland who says that we as Americans, we really have three main ways that we deal with emotion or feeling or or whatever it may be that's going on inside of us. And the three ways are this, detachment, denial, and distraction. Allow me to walk through these. It's first of all, detachment. This is very much an Eastern spirituality mode of encountering, feeling, emotion, processing thing. This is a very Buddhist way of saying, like, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to detach from feeling. We're going to detach from emotion because anything that gives us feeling or emotion, it's bad. So we just need to detach from it. In fact, someone wrote some, a song that says this, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anymore. Or anyway, it's detachment. You're not going to look at that song the same way. It's from Frozen, if you you didn't catch that. You won't look at that song the same way. It is this this idea of just detaching from the feelings, and that's what she was doing. She's like, I'm just running away. I am detaching from this emotion. I've done it all my life, but now I'm just very outwardly going to do this. So that's Eastern spirituality method is this detachment. The second way is denial. And this is more of a Western spirituality. This is more of a Christian type of thing to do. So we face and encounter things in life. And what we do, and again, these are not bad things right here that I'm going to say. We do this. We say, Jesus is Lord. God, you have everything in control. I trust you. You died. You were buried. You were resurrected. And someday you're going to return and you're going to make all things right and well. And all of these things are true, and we should say these things to ourselves. But what happens when we tell ourselves these things, and that same emotion, feeling, thought just keeps coming back and saying, nope, I don't agree. Nope, I don't agree. Nope, I don't agree. Do we just put on another worship song? Do we join another Bible study? Do we just quote another verse? And that thing just keeps coming back and hitting us upside the head again and again and again. And so what we do is we deny it as like, no, 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 no. If, if this is true, what Jesus is Lord, then this thing can't be true. So I have to deny all this feeling and push it aside. And you've been taught that a lot. If you really trusted God, you wouldn't feel this. If you really believe that God was good, you wouldn't be going through this. See, it's just saying this denial, and that's the wrong way to approach it. Because what happens? We've all witnessed this, whether it's personally or with family or friends. One of two things happen. 
You just keep getting hit upside the head and you keep trying to trust God and you quit on faith. You quit on Jesus. You quit on Christianity. And you say, I'm just, I've tried it. It's just not working for me. And you've done that or your friends have done that or you're in the process of doing that. Or you just deny it even more. You push it aside. You push it down. You're like, it's not really there. And you just fake it. Some of us are in this place today, ready to quit. Some of us are faking it because we're just denying it. Or the third way, I'm coming back to how we're going to engage this. I'm not just going to leave you hanging, is distraction. This is a very secular way. We just do more. Okay, you're experiencing something. Well, just have another hobby, get more friends, work a little bit more, um, plant some more flowers in your garden, um, take up some sort of habit that's destructive. We're just going to distract ourselves from what's really going on. But there is a radically different way that we engage and that we can be healthy. That is not detachment, not denial, not distraction. And it's a way of Jesus. And it's a way of entering into a deeper way that spirituality, whether Eastern or Western, is never going to answer. Or secularism is not going to answer either. See, all three of these call us to run from our pain, to run from our emotion, to run from the reality. When rather Jesus is saying, come, come to it. Go to it, enter into it. Because I believe that Jesus is in the middle of that pain, in the middle of that emotion, in the middle of that feeling with arms wide open saying, come to me. Come to me. We're going to talk more about this in coming weeks. But there's a better way that Jesus offers. So let's look at Matthew 26. Because Jesus did not detach, did not deny, did not distract himself that we're going to see in this passage. So Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Have you been there? And just you're overcome with sorrow and trouble and pain, even to this point of just death of like, man, I just want to die. Does that hurt? Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Jesus is so overwhelmed, he can't even stand he is on the ground. Have you been there? Just crying, like curled up in a ball. What is this going on? And he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup, he's meaning the cross before him, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Can you imagine that? You were just in agony. And the people you brought along to pray, they're just out cold. Not a concern in the world. Hear this. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And he came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. 
So he left them and he went away once more and he prayed a third time saying the same thing. And he returned to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Can you feel that in Jesus? Is that he didn't detach, he didn't deny, he didn't distract himself. He engaged with the father. I love a couple things in there is that he didn't go by himself. He brought others along with him. And he went and prayed. He went and engaged the father. He didn't run away from it. He engaged the father so much so that he was just on the ground, just crying out, God, please. And again and again, he cried out. Jesus fully experienced that. And I was thinking about this passage. There's a phrase that I've used many times. Now, here's my disclaimer. I'm not a big fan of rhyming phrases. I mean, they're memorable. Like poetry is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But, but certain phrases that can be cheesy because they rhyme. But this, I think there's so much truth in this, thinking of Matthew 26. This is a, a phrase that I've said a number of times at, uh, to families who have lost a loved one or are processing grief. And it's, you have to feel it to heal it. You have to feel it to heal it. And this is entering that pain, a hardship, an emotion. Like you got to go into it. You have to feel it in order to come out the other side in a better place. I think of passages like Psalm 107, verse 19, where it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. They're in the middle of their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. They weren't outside of it. They were in the middle of it. And the Lord is pulling them out from the hardship. God is there meeting them in that hard moment in life. So what happens so often is we detach or we deny or we distract. And in doing so, we run and we, we never say this, but what we're doing is we're serving as a functional savior instead of going to the savior. Because we're saying that if I do this, or I don't do this, or if I just listen to one more song, I'm going to save myself from the situation. Instead of going deep into it and resting in the Lord who saves. About four or five years ago, I started wrestling with some things personally. And the Lord started pointing some things out in my own life that that was just, it was unhealthy. We had emerged from a really painful season, uh, previous years of four consecutive miscarriages. We were establishing our family. We we're starting to move into the season of me taking over the lead pastor role here. And I thought, okay, we're, we're past these seasons. We're moving into this area that's it's gotta be smooth sailing from here on out, right? Yeah, that was my ignorance there. But I realized something just wasn't right. Something wasn't sitting in me right. And the more I engaged it, the more I just pushed it down. And what I was doing is I was saying, all right, God, you're good. I trust you. You're going to help me through this. I was looking upward and I was looking outward. I'm like, hey, if I, just, if I just help more people, if I just serve more people, if I just act like I've got it together, then I'm, I'm going to be a bit more healthy inside. But I just kept justifying it and I kept pushing it down. I kept ignoring it. I was, I was like, well, I'm a peacemaker by nature. So if like my marriage is good and, and Joanna's good and my kids are good and the church is good and my friends are good and the, you know, these things are good, then, then things will be good around me so I can be good 
inside too. But I finally got to the point after a friend said something to me, realizing and naming what it was that I finally admitted to myself and to other people that I was an angry person. Now you may be looking back over the years and go like, well, I've known Chris that long and, and he doesn't strike me as an angry person. And when I admitted this to Joanna, Joanna's like, I knew something was wrong, but I would have never guessed anger. I wouldn't have guessed it either. I didn't know what it was because I kept pushing it down further and further and further. And it just kept boiling and boiling and boiling within me because I thought it was a bad thing to admit that, to identify it, and to take steps forward in it. Thankfully, it never manifested itself outwardly towards my family or or wife or whatever, but I know there was residual effect from it because I tried to normalize what was going on inside of me. I knew I needed to do something about that. I started conversations, started counseling, started approaching that. See, what I was doing is it kind of reminds me of an iceberg. And an iceberg, scientists tell us that there's only about 10% of the iceberg that is above the surface. And so what I was doing is I was working on this 10%, thinking that was going to solve the issue. And actually, I was like, no, I'm going I'm to go deeper in this, right? As I'm going to be a good Christian and I'm going to dive under the surface and I'm going to start working on this. But really, it was like a percent or two. And that's what we do as Christians. We're like, well, we're going deep. We're going under the water. We're going to start working on this. And we start to tap into it. But then we ignore the other 80-some percent that we leave under the water. And so as we walk through this series, I want us to start addressing this, this percentage that's here. And some of you are like, oh, this is so good. Others of you are like, are you kidding me? You want me to talk about emotions? Not going to happen. Okay. Give it time. Let it go. Let it go. No, 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 not let it go. That's the wrong way. Engage. But what, why do we do that as humans? And it's like me going to the, the mechanic, taking my car in for a repair, and saying, my engine's been smoking, and there's this grinding noise in the engine, and I, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on. I mean, I looked at my car. I went around, and I kicked the tires, and, and I looked at the paint around it, and the, my, a couple scratches. Maybe that's impacting the engine. I mean, my windows still work. The mechanic and you are looking at me going like, are you kidding me? The mechanic would ask me, have you opened the hood to look at the engine? Like, no. But we do this as humans, right? We're like, all right, good, good. Something's still off, but I'm not opening the hood. Years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I said good morning to someone in the hallway down near Kai and Chelsea's office. And I remember this person I just said, good morning to them. I said, how are you? And they put on the fakest smile. And I could see in their eyes, they didn't believe it. And I saw in their eyes that they knew I didn't believe it. And this person said to me, I'm good. And I have to smile because I'm in church. I'm like, wow. Oh. I broke. Because I realized that has been me so many times. And that has been you. And that has been many people who have walked in and out of these doors. I have to smile because I'm in church. But yet we're sputtering and smoke is coming out of our ears and we don't know why. Dr. Henry Cloud, he says this, he says, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain Excuse me, the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. 
Are you there? Are you getting there? Have you been there? Pain is a great catalyst for change. It's what caused me to start walking down this path, and I still have a long ways to go. Long ways to go. But I want to encourage you not to waste your pain, not to waste this hardship, not to waste the trial that you're walking through, not to waste this question that's before you, and allow God to do something, to enter into it. I think of Proverbs 4.23, it's one that you may know. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So what we do is we put on a defensive mechanism, right? We think that means deny or disengage or detach. But really, the original language for guard means to watch. So what is being said is watch your heart. Pay attention to your heart. It's not just a defensive thing. It's an engagement. It's an offensive reality. What we put into it, what we dwell upon, what we do with it. Because everything flows from it. Author Peter Scazzaro points out inconsistencies that we, we normalize when we're not watching our heart. He says things like this. You can be a dynamic, gifted speaker for God in public and be an unloving spouse and parent at home. You can function as a church board member or pastor and be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can memorize entire books of the New Testament and still be unaware of your depression and anger, even displacing it on other people. You can fast and pray a half day a week for years as a spiritual discipline and constantly be critical of others, justifying it as discernment. You can lead hundreds of people in Christian ministry while driven by a deep personal need to compensate for a nagging sense of failure. You can pray for deliverance from the demonic realm when in reality you are simply avoiding conflict, repeating an unhealthy pattern of behavior traced back to the home in which you grew up. You can be outwardly cooperative at church, but unconsciously, unconsciously try to undercut or defeat your supervisor by coming in habitually late, constantly forgetting meetings, withdrawing and becoming apathetic, or ignoring the real issue behind why you are hurt and angry. As followers of Jesus, are, are we aware of the duality that we live in? That we say, yeah, I love and follow Jesus, but I'm angry and I'm not going to deal with it. And then we bounce back and forth, and it's really frustrating. It's really hard. It's really tiring. In Proverbs 4.20, it says this. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say and turn your ear to my words. So in the coming weeks, as we walk through this series, I'm going to ask all of us to turn our ear toward the word, to turn our ears towards the thing that Jesus wants to say in us and do in us and through us, to walk into that pain and be listening, not just at the chatter or the loud voices that are in that pain or the enemy poking at you, but to listen to the word. So I want to give three encouragements here. So the first thing is instead of detaching, I ask you to be attentive, to pay attention. Like Jesus paid attention in Matthew 26, he was very aware and attentive to what was going on in him and around him. That storm in your life, Jesus wants to meet you in it. So be attentive to it. Your powerlessness, your brokenness, your failing and whatever it may be that you're feeling, be attentive to what God wants to speak in you. 
I believe God is right there. He's going to meet you there. And the proverb continues on in verse 21. It says, do not let them out of your sight, the word of God. Keep them within your heart. So the second thing I want to encourage us, instead of denying that we would admit that we don't have it all together. I'm the first one this morning. I do not have it all together. And I'm guessing there's a few others that would say the same thing. Is being okay with not being okay, but allowing the Lord to move you from that place. Step by step. Not leaps and bounds. Those may come. Step by step. Pastor Scott Sauls, he, he says he loves the Bible because of the honest portrayal of humanity in it. So often we glamorize or we um, put all sorts of glitz on the characters, the individuals in the scripture. We often forget that Thomas doubted God, that Jonah ran from God, that Abraham was a bad husband, that Jacob told lies, that Moses had a speech disability, that Hosea married a prostitute, Rahab was a prostitute, David abused power and committed adultery and murdered. Jeremiah had depression. Elijah wanted to die. Paul spent a lot of time in jail. Peter had impulse control issues and was a coward. Jesus was poor, had no reputation, was despised and rejected by men. And these individuals in the scriptures, we can relate to because they're like us. And I... This week, I came across a quote, which you can probably either really connect to or you may be offended by. I don't really know. You can do whatever you want with it. Is Anne Lamont said this. She said, she said, it is okay to realize that you are crazy and very damaged because all the best people are. And you look at scripture, is that like, there's some quote unquote crazy and damaged people, but they're people that pursued God, that trusted God, that God worked through just like us. We don't have it all together. So let's take movement to stop lying to ourselves that we've got it together. Or maybe you do, I don't. Let's stop lying to each other that we've got it together. I can't tell you the number of people that have sat where you sat and have looked around in the sanctuary and said, everyone else, they've told me this, everyone else in the sanctuary has it all together. I feel like I'm the only one who's struggling. There's no way that's true. You've probably felt that way too, is that everyone just looks like they have it together. So we need to stop lying to ourselves. We need to stop lying to others. We need to stop lying to the world too. Again, people have walked into this church, looked around and gone, yeah, they just got it together. I don't fit here. My life is a wreck. We gotta stop lying to the world too. But we don't have it together. But we're coming to a place of humility Thank God we have you and we trust you and we're going to trust the work that you're going to do in us and through us this time. The third thing is this, instead of distraction, purposely engage what's going on inside of you. There will always be another game. There will always be another day of work. There will always be another um, flower to plant. There will always be something to do. But what if we purposely engage, if we just stop and we engage what's going on. So I want to give us three invitations, and the first one feeding off of this third point. Three invitations for you this week. The first thing is that we begin the series by asking why questions, that we prayerfully ask why questions. 
So I'm feeling anxious. Why? I identify the answer to that. Okay, ask another question. Why is this causing my anxiousness? Okay, why? Let's keep asking these questions, these why questions. Why is this going on? And you may clearly know the answer. Maybe it's, well, I'm, I'm feeling afraid in this moment because I may lose my job. Okay, let's, let's start asking some why questions. Why do you feel like you're going to lose your job? And not just to ask the answer to these questions, but to prayerfully answer these questions. The psalmist invites us in Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me and know me and test me. So when that worry comes up, search me, God. Why am I worrying? Know my worry, God. Test my worry, God. I want to meet you in that. So we ask ourselves these questions instead of allowing them to become a big mess like they were in me, but to start to address them. So that's the first invitation. And that invitation can also be partnered with a prayer. This prayer, Jesus, I release my desire for security, affection, and control to you. I embrace this moment as it is with you. Jesus, I release my desire for security, affection, and control to you. And I embrace this moment as it is with you. I've prayed this, this prayer many times, especially this week. I release it to you. So why questions? Second thing, I want to invite you into community. Is that you move toward each other. Jesus took others with him. Jesus had others with him. So if you're meeting in a group, continue to meet in a group. If you used to meet in a group, see if that group wants to connect again, however you're comfortable. If you're looking for a group, grab some people up. If you don't know who in the world to connect with, ask someone randomly or contact the office and say, hey, I'd love to plug in with some people. There's a lot of different group options. And so encourage you to get some people around you. This is, this is where you're going to grow. Rows are fine. Circles are wonderful. Rows, you can listen. Circles, you can talk. And so I want to invite you into a circle, too. You can plug into whatever group it may be, but there's something that uh, Lori Kraft and I are going to be um, doing during this series. We're going to have what we're just calling healthy conversations. And so every other week, uh, starting May 4th, we're going to meet at the Union downtown, uh, Tuesday, 6.15 to 7.30. We're going to sit in a circle. It's not going to be a time of teaching. It's going to be a time of discussion and conversations. We're going to talk about what was said here and what people are processing and just talk about what does it mean to be healthy as a follower of Jesus. And so we invite you to come. If you think of it, let me know you're coming. If not, just show up. Um, we're just trying to get an idea of who's coming. So you're welcome to this. So why questions? Get in some sort of group. Healthy conversations is an opportunity with that three invitations. So that being said, I'm going to pray and uh, invite you to walk with Jesus continually. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, you're so, so good. Lord, thank you that you have invited us into a life and life to the full. Lord, thank you that you have called us out from these places of denial and discouragement or discouragement and distraction and detachment, Lord, to walk in your ways. So Jesus, I pray wherever every person is at here, Lord, you know it, that we would just take a step forward. Lord, that we would surrender to you. Lord, with open hands, with open hearts, 
that we would do what you have called us to. Lord, we want to be a healthy church. We want healthy families, healthy environments. Lord, but we need to be healthy as individuals. So Lord, help us in this journey. I pray for each person, each situation that's being faced. We love you and we praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen.